Welcome to Making Fit Work. I'm your host, Nina McGough, certified personal trainer and nutrition coach and busy mom of two. I'm committed to helping you get real results by sharing best practices and life hacks to staying consistent. I also regularly interview other busy professionals who have mastered the ability to juggle it all while staying the course with their health and fitness. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Making Fit Work. I am your host, Nina McGough. Thank you so much again for tuning in with me for another week. I am so excited to have the special guest on here with us today to talk about how to build self-confidence. Catherine Wood, thank you so much for being with me today. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Before we get started, let me tell everybody a little bit about you. Catherine is the founder and head coach of Unbounded Potential, a boutique coaching firm supporting all aspects of growing a scalable and impact-driven business while prioritizing living a joyful, aligned life for ambitious empaths and sensitive entrepreneurs. That's totally me. We're going to talk more (laughs) after this, Kathleen. Her firm coaches entrepreneurs, creatives, and C-suite leaders on their performance, leadership, and holistic success through one-on-one coaching and year-long mastermind for empath entrepreneurs. She's also hosts Prosperous Empath Podcasts. Thank you again for being here. I can't wait to to dive into this topic. So let me tell you a little bit about why I reached out. We connected on uh, Boston Business Women's Networking Group. Mm -hmm. And when I think we were doing like a speed networking event when we met. And I was like, all right, I have to reach out to Catherine because about maybe every couple of months, maybe once a quarter, I usually throw it out to people on my email list and my Facebook group about what are some of the topic suggestions um, they really want to address on making fit work. It could be anything from uh, weight loss, fat loss, diet, um, anything in regards to health and wellness. And this topic in particular how to build self-confidence came into my inbox a few times. And I couldn't help Mm -hmm. but to wonder and just feel like, yes, absolutely. In order to make fit work, in order to be able to accomplish whatever health and fitness goals you have, whether it's weight loss, feeling better, um, taking your fitness to the next milestone, whatever that is, you have to be able to have confidence in yourself in doing that. And knowing that you work with so many entrepreneurs, Catherine, is that something that you see often and that you talk to women about often is that ability to either build or grow their self-confidence to accomplish? Because obviously these are very well-accomplished women, right? Entrepreneurs, C-suite leadership, how do they conti- how does one continue to grow their confidence is that something that you kind of have to deal with right off the bat with most of your clients mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean i love that we're starting the conversation there because i mean first of all this is also the number one topic that draws people into coaching with me i work with a lot of executives and high performance leaders and what i notice across the board is that typically the more success we reach in our careers, the higher the experience of imposter syndrome, the higher levels of 
self-consciousness, lack of confidence, right? They kind of, um, they kind of grow in proportion with one another mm-hmm. and they, they so support us and they also hold us back, right? Because if you are a high performer, you likely also have a very loud inner critic and that inner critic motivates you. It's a source of motivation and momentum and pushing you forward. So it serves a function in our life. And typically in my experience, we sometimes get to a, a hopefully, eventually we get to a place in our careers where we're no longer interested in being pushed by that source of pain. I'll say in air quotes, like that source of kind of like a kick in the pants, like, like a, a fear-based source of momentum that is often kind of what kind of kicks people into gear to think they need to develop confidence from that must or that should or that have to. And then we actually get to rewrite the books. We get to rewrite our definition of what confidence is, how we access it, what confidence looks like for us. Because I work with empaths. I work with highly sensitive people. I work with a lot of introverts. So for me, as a highly sensitive empathic, sensitive soul, confidence is going to look extremely different for me on the outside than it's going to look like for many of the extroverted souls (laughs) around us in our lives. You know, essentially like as an introvert, I live in a extroverted world here in the U S we're educated in a extroverted culture and system. And we, we grow up thinking that there is a way confidence looks, there's a way yes. we build confidence and it's just not true. Ah, uh, there's so many things. Say so much, I, but I'm- I know, I know. I'm already like, ah, are you should be taking notes over here. There's so many things I kind of want to say about that. So funny that you say that the higher level, the more kind of that issue of self-confidence come up comes up, right? The inner critic. I actually, oh, I can't remember if it was on a podcast or if I was listening to a book that I actually heard the more successful you are in life, the more goals that you've accomplished, the more uh, boxes you have checked, right? The more self-care you need. Do you mm-hmm. feel like that kind of go hand goes hand in hand? Absolutely. Like yeah. fundamentally. Right. And then Let's dive into this first. I mean, there's so many things I want to get to and we'll get to it all. But like, describe for me, I love what you're saying here that confidence does look different depending on the person, introvert versus Mm -hmm. extrovert, or, you know, maybe even it has to do with um, what type of role they play in their life at home, at work. Could you give me an example of what you mean by that? Like what the difference is, what it might look like for an introvert? or an empath versus an extrovert? Absolutely. So um, I I really kind of have to come back, go back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. So as a coach, like I, I'm specifically trained as an ontological coach. Ontology is the study of being. So when I work with a client, I'm really looking at the ways of being that they exhibit in their life And which ways of being are the full expression of who they really are, the essence of who they are, the version of themselves that shows up when they're playing with kids or on vacation or on the dance floor, just like that fully lit up, full expression of who we are. And that is your Mm. essence, right? Oh, I love that. When we are embracing confidence, 
we're showing we can show up from our essence or we can show up from our fear-based version of ourself, which I, we call your survival mechanism. So your survival mechanism are all of your learned responses, all of the behaviors and ways of being that you learned over time, starting from childhood, to protect yourself or guard yourself against fear. And I'm not talking about like that physical threat, fear-based response, right? right? Like if you're walking down alley and someone jumps out at you, that physical threat, fear-based response is going to protect you and help you. But, But I'm talking about the fear inside of our minds, the fears about who we are and who we're not, the fears about what other people may think, observe, or make up about us. So typically, mm. as human beings, we are excellent correspondents for our survival mechanism. We know down to a T how we show up from fear, how we talk ourselves out of goals, how we procrastinate, how we get overwhelmed, just all the things. Yes. We're typically not the best correspondent for our essence. We're typically a much better, better correspondent for our inner critic than our essence. So how does this connect with confidence? We can use feedback from other people who know us in all areas of life to help us see the commonalities of our essence and how we show up from that full full authenticity. So one of the first exercises that I do with clients is helping them distinguish and name how they show up from essence, how they show up from survival mechanism. We do some self-assessment exercises to help them really start to get in relationship with those distinct ways of being. And there, there are two. And, you know, I've been coaching for a decade and what I appreciate about the world of personal development is that whether you call it essence and survival mechanism, Mm -hmm. whether you call it showing up from love and showing up from fear, like Marianne Williamson talks about, whether you call it showing up from your light side or your shadow side, like Debbie Ford talks about it, then the dark side of the light chasers, like whatever you call it, a spade, Mm -hmm. it's it's still the same thing. It's the same, right. We're all talking about the same thing. Yeah. So we need to get into relationship with how we show up from an empowered way of being, how we talk, what it looks like, how we communicate, what's natural and normal and comfortable and authentic and true for us. Yeah, right, right. Versus what does it look like when I'm defended, protected, fear-based, anxious, erasing mind, my sympathetic nervous system is triggered. Like when we can start to just really get into relationship with those two distinct core ways of being that unlocks a whole lot of direction and access to more confidence. I love that. Something that kind of came into my mind when you're talking about um, acting from this place of like fear and all of that stuff is, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this. um, Do you feel like social media And the fact that we are so connected to everybody, (laughs) everywhere, the world, um, people who we wouldn't, you know, normally interact with, where we see interact with online, um, just kind of everything is in your face all of the time. Do you find that that has played a part in a decrease in self-confidence for some or... Mm -hmm. Does that is that not something that your clients are particularly dealing with? I mean, 
just speaking from personal experience, like I know for me as an online business owner, social media can be a real place where my own uh, self-consciousness hangs out, where comparisonitis is uh, on fire and at play. And honestly, I think if I wasn't in business for myself, I don't think I'd have any purpose of being on social media. Oh my God. I think the same thing all the time. (laughs) But what, what I would say, and I'd say the, the way and the manner in which social media can really hold us back is that we don't engage with social media with a clear intention, purpose, or goal. We oh. often go to social media to distract ourselves, to find kind of quick entertainment. Um, I mean, there's some like dancers on Instagram that I just love following. We don't necessarily go there with a clear intention. And if we can simply get reconnected with, you know, why we're engaging with social media, how do we want to engage with social media? How much time do we want to allow a lot for social media? Like if we're Mm -hmm. clear on what we're going to use it for, it can be a much healthier place to, to take a break or to have some fun. But I think that that's kind of one of the ways in which uh, social media has really hurt self-confidence is that we don't engage with it mindfully. I love that. I love that advice. I'm actually going to start thinking about how I engage with it more often, how much time I am just kind of going to it versus being intentional about going to it. I love that. So when it comes to self-confidence, Do you find that there are different categories? So for example, somebody may have um, really great confidence in the workplace, but not so much in relationships or um, big confidence in relationships, but still feeling very insecure? Or is it just kind of like all encompassing? Like if someone has great self-confidence that they're just kind of rocking it in every aspect of their life and showing that confidence wherever they show up? Or do they Mm -hmm. compartmentalize a little bit? Mm -hmm. I think that that's a a really lovely question. I think I take a bit of a different take on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, first of all, right off the bat, like no one else can can discern that we're confident except ourselves. Mm. Like confidence is so much of an internal game. And some of the people that we see around us every day, we might think about them like, oh, they're so confident. But they may just have like a very well-practiced shield mm. or self-protective mechanism that yeah. has them occur to us as confident, but they actually right. may may not be. So I think kind of giving yourself that permission to stop comparing your own experience of self-confidence with anyone else's right out of the get-go will do you nothing but but good. Right. Right. So I'll start there. And then secondly, like in my experience, confidence, it is not a quality trait that some of us possess. And some of us do not possess. And I think mm-hmm. many people think about confidence in that way. They think it right. very matter of fact, like they're either confident or not confident. Or they're not, yep. But in my experience, it is a learned practice. And confidence is the consequence of taking bold and courageous action, 
of stepping outside of our comfort zones, of leaning into our growth edge and developing that muscle of confidence, just like you would in the gym. Like I say that to yeah. clients all the time. Like we have to work out our confidence muscle, just like any other major muscle group. Right. One of the ways that we can do that is by taking brave, courageous action and learning through practice and repeated practice over time how to do something naturally and more from a more embodied way of being. I think once you start to grow your confidence in one area of life and not from a like a trying to deceive or uh, make others believe we're confident, but from a really embodied, grounded, right. self-centered right. place, well, then we have more access to, sh- to confidence in other areas. When we know how to be authentic in one area of life, we have more facility with growing our authenticity muscle in other areas. Do you find that maybe sometimes people don't realize that the confidence they are trying to build is not from their essence? Like how does one discern the difference? Yeah, I think that's such a beautiful question. And I think it's an inside game. Like it's it's a matter of being self-aware and growing your self-awareness muscle, like being able to discern over time uh, where and how it looks to operate from mm. an embodied, centered, activated parasympathetic nervous system place. Like right. you get you get to figure out what that looks like for you as you start to become more self-discerning around your essence and your survival mechanism and how it looks for you. And I also Mm -hmm. think being around more people like you, having those aha moments, seeing how others show up from a place of self-confidence gives you access, Mm -hmm. more access to what yours looks like. Because like, you know, for, for me, like I, as a highly sensitive person and an empath, like, I talk very quietly. Like I have a soft voice. Mm-hmm. I take, I'm not on this podcast for some reason, but I often take lots of pauses between my thoughts. <laughs> I sometimes close my eyes to put my thoughts together. Yeah. And I used to think all of those habits were very insecure of me because I didn't have any mentors or leaders mm-hmm. in my life um, who demonstrated those ways of leadership. And over time, huh, and surrounding myself with more people like me, I realized like, oh, wow, that's just what it looks like to be a confident, right. highly sensitive, introverted empath. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's so it's not even like I had to change. I just had to give myself more permission to be me. So not to veer off topic too much, but how did you, because I feel like that comes up a lot when I know I'm a big like self-development nerd, Right you know, surround yourself with people like you, surround yourself with people who are doing the things you want to do. How do you surround yourself with people who are a little bit more like you? How do you find people who are doing the things that you'd like to do, um, accomplishing those things, maybe mentors or even just other friends? Like, how did you can find the people that you're like, wait a minute, yeah, I do that too. And okay, I'm glad that that looks similar and it feels right to me. Do you have any recommendations for clients when Mm -hmm. they talk about stuff like that? 
I use the word permission a lot. Mm-hmm. And I imagine this applies in your line of work as much as it does in mine. Like we have to give ourselves permission to be in the conversations we want to be in, to be talking about the topics we want to be talking about, to be with people that we want to be with. And I, you know, I know, I know you have a lot of moms who listen to these podcasts. And I think in particular for moms, I have a lot of mom clients. I think in particular for moms, as our kids grow, like we can lose our sense of self. We can become so engaged in our children's lives that we become disconnected from our own life. And mm-hmm. in doing so, we can lose some of that intimate connection with the topics we love to talk about, the places we love to go, the people we want to surround yes. ourselves with because we're so engrossed with our kids' parents and our <sighs> kids' activities. Yep. And so- <laughs> reconnect. And I mean, I know I talk about this a lot. with Yes. So giving ourselves that permission to set aside time for our interests, our pastimes, our people, it helps us reconnect with those parts of ourselves that make us whole, that make us uniquely us. So when I say like surround yourself with like-minded people, it also, it, it does start with discernment and self-awareness of starting to notice, like, when am I getting resentful because I'm talking about um, uh, boy bands yeah, <laughs> exclusively? Right, yeah. right, right. right. <laughs> and I want to be talking about, you know, the SVP bank, de- de- like de- right, <laughs> default, right. the bank just closing in California, right? Like just yep. starting to discern, like, Am I in the conversations I want to be in? Am I with the people that I feel inspired by? Is my energy like expansive and excited or is it resentful and negative? That's a great place to start. Oh, that is a really, really great place to start. All right. So many good (laughs) nuggets here, Catherine. So let's start to kind of get into... And I mean, I don't know if you have, I was going to say the steps, and I don't know if that's the right word to say, like, this is how you build confidence. Step number one, here we go, right? But Mm -hmm. if someone's coming to you and they have said something to the extent of, you know, I have certain goals in my life and I'm going to use, I'm going to kind of use client examples for me, right? If that's, if that's okay. Um, From like a health and fitness standpoint, someone who, you know, hasn't connected with people in their essence for a long time. Maybe their life, what a lot of women I work with, they are very busy. A lot of them are uh, self-employed entrepreneurs working at very high level jobs and outside of their jobs have been just engrossed in their children's lives, right? So like everything outside of that very busy, stressful, um, time-consuming work has been all about their children's school, social activities, friendships, things of that nature. So, and that's not going to go away. They still have small children, right? Maybe anywhere from elementary school to like high school, even college at this point. But if there was a loss of like self in that process, right? At some point with their children growing, how does one get back to building self-confidence outside of work, like when it comes Mm -hmm. to like, I, I, so what I hear a lot, 
a lot of my clients come to me and say, I just want to feel my best again. And I know that sounds like a very vague statement, but I can't tell you how many times I've heard those exact words. And what I take that to mean is they just want to feel like they're they're focusing on their health and their fitness and do taking time to prioritize things that make them feel good, right? And mm-hmm. because in order to accomplish whatever goals, a lot of them is weight loss or, you know, gaining strength, having more energy, they need to help build habits and self-confidence that they can do it. Mm -hmm. So for my clients, a lot of them have been lifelong dieters who have maybe done Weight Watchers a million times or tried this diet and that diet. So what I see happening is that their confidence at some point in their lives with having children, building their careers, all of that stuff, doing a diet over and over again and feeling like they they accomplished it, but then they lost it and then they gained it. And then this like roller coaster that their confidence has just continued to decline in that area mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. right? Like I just can't seem to do it, right? Totally. I failed. I failed at this. I've done it a million times on and off. I can't figure it out. Like the, they, they feel crushed <laughs> for a lack of a better term. Like just this feeling of like, I can't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So how does one build self-confidence in that area after their confidence has been kind of like knocked down? Like, what would yeah. you say other than starting to find your essence? Right. Cause that I think is really important. And I love the way you put that how does one start to build it? Because it sounds like to me what you're saying, and I love what you said, that confidence is like building a muscle, just like you would in the gym, right? So that sounds like confidence is kind of like building any other habit. Maybe it's something you do slowly, but surely start off with small steps. But I'd love to hear like, what is what do you recommend as a first step for someone? Mm-hmm. So I... Um... I think a reminder that it's not, it's not, again, it's not a yes or no. You are, you either, you aren't either confident or not confident. Just yeah. having that kind of expectation resetting can be really mm-hmm. helpful place to start. Given what you just shared, the, the piece that comes to mind is this, uh, a practice a forgiveness practice. Mm-hmm. I think so time, so many times when we've had a crushing experience in the past, whether, you know, you've, lost weight and then regained that same weight, whether you've fallen in love and then had your heart broken, Mm -hmm. we can so often carry those experiences and those memories from the past into our present. And we can only ever create from the present moment forward. But when we hold on to those memories from the past and we carry them with us, we hold on to them. We're continuing to recreate and reinforce that same experience in the present and in the future that we're creating for ourselves simply by being unwilling to let them go or to forgive them. So I think those are two of the mindset pieces. I like that word, like forgiving that. I call that the I used to's when everyone is like, Mm -hmm. I used to do this. I used to do that. I used to be fit. I used to be, yeah. And then I do, I wrote down, um, 
I wrote down six places that I think are real tactical places that we can begin in building confidence because essentially when we're self-conscious, our anxious mind is running the show. When we're confident, our grounded, self-composed, centered, essence-based version of ourselves is running the show. So Mm -hmm. some habits and practices that can help someone reconnect with their self-confidence. The first place, where do I want to start? I'd say the first place, which is super aligned with your podcast, is self-care. Because, um, you know, like if you think about self-care, whether it's uh, physical self-care, whether it's an exercise routine, whether it's mental self-care and it's meditation or uh, yoga or breath work or um, journaling, which is something I do every day, like any of those self-care practices help us reconnect with our parasympathetic nervous system. And our, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you know this, but for your audience, mm-hmm. like our parasympathetic nervous system is the part of us that is grounded and self-composed and centered in our body. When we take on physically physically demanding exercise and we activate our sympathetic nervous system, well, then we can reconnect with our parasympathetic nervous system, which is where we want to gain our confidence from. So those those highs and lows, but that intentional coming home to Mm -hmm. regrounding self-care practice is a great place to start. It also gives us more facility with some of these other action steps. So and the second place I'd have your audience look is taking imperfect action. When we're that. being in our mind and we're comparing ourselves with other people, when we, you know, our our perfectionism is running away with us. Like I tell everyone, like I am a recovering perfectionista, <laughs> right? <laughs> like absolutely. And yeah. when we're so practiced in comparisonitis and perfectionism, we forget that like we're actually outside of ourselves in those moments. We're not being ourselves. Our mind right. is running the show. Our um, our fear based, you know, selves are dictating our decisions. So taking action is a great place, a great way for us to jumpstart confidence. I love that. So imperfect action, absolutely. The third place is authenticity. Um. I um, wrote a book a couple years ago, and I did a lot of research about imposter syndrome. And what the research suggests is that 70% of us experience imposter syndrome. And I I love Michelle Obama for this because she really normalized imposter syndrome for so many of us. She talks about her experience suffering from it in her book, Becoming. And Mm -hmm. I think that it really helped people um, see that it's not it's not the worst thing ever. It's not bad. Like it's actually a very normal experience. Yeah. Right. But what the research also says is that the way that introverts versus extroverts handle imposter syndrome and reconnect with their confidence looks very different. So introverts are much more likely to process internally those moments of imposter syndrome and moments of inner critic. Whereas Extroverts are much more likely to reach out to their network, to ask for the validation, the encouragement, the um, acknowledgement that they need from friends or colleagues or family members that much sooner than introverts. Hmm. So 
simply by willing, by being willing to be authentic, whether you're, you identify more as an extrovert or an introvert, simply by willing, be willing to share your experience, share your fears, share your concerns and have those concerns heard, empathized with, validated rather than letting them continue to run the show about how we're showing up and what we're thinking about ourselves. That is a huge access point to building self-confidence. Okay. So we've talked about self-care and perfect action and authenticity. And the other three, I I would say (laughs) number four (laughs) is service. So what I mean by that is like, I work with a lot of new entrepreneurs who are trying to grow their business and specifically with purpose-driven, mission-driven entrepreneurs who are very motivated by their the impact they want to have, the difference that they want to make. They care so deeply about the people they went into business to serve, and then they can feel really lacking self-confidence in charging for their services, in pricing mm. themselves competitively in the marketplace, and right. increasing their work rates and marketing themselves, all the things, right? Right, right. So when we when we can reconnect with that commitment of being of service, of who we want to help, of who we're committed to serving, of the difference we want to make, the message we want to impart, when we can really reconnect with being of service, it is a powerful way to build our self-confidence because we stop making it about ourselves and we can reconnect with that bigger mission or vision or reason we went into business or stepped into leadership in the first place. Yeah, That's number I love four. That. Um, number five is, I mean, it's pretty simple, but it's just normalizing uh, that confidence requires experience. And that experience is something we don't develop overnight. You know, I wish I could. I wish I could do a pull-up, but I yeah. still can't. <laughs> it takes a lot right. of experience and years of yeah. practice and doing the reps. So just normalizing that it's a journey, that it will take time to yeah. appreciate where you are in terms of your experience and along that journey can help you reset your expectations for yourself, which I think is very healthy and useful in building confidence, you know, appreciating, you know, what someone with one month of experience would look like in their fitness goals versus five years of experience. Yeah. In their fitness right. Goals. That's, Huge. that's a big one. I think a lot of people, um, just obviously, uh, my clients and my audiences, we tend to, you know, look at some of the people that we think we think we're looking to for inspiration, um, and not realizing that maybe it's having a negative impact on our overall self-confidence, right? Like, especially if you're just starting your fitness journey or restarting it, or maybe, um, are in a different part of your fitness journey, a different phase of it. And then looking at someone who is a sponsored athlete online, (laughs) you know, um, or a fitness model and, you know, thinking about like how they could be like them or how they love the way they look. And it's like, well, you know, who are we going to to yourselves? Right. It's not fair. Also, so funny that you use that word, not fair. I actually had that conversation with my son last summer (laughs) and this goes to building self-confidence for kids, right? He did a summer camp basketball. He had literally never played basketball before. Um, 
and he came home and he was just like, I don't like this camp, blah, blah, blah. You know, he said, um, I'm the worst one there. Aww. And I looked at him and I was like, okay. I'm like, I believe you. And he got, he was like a little sensitive, right? He's like me. He's very sensitive. He got a little sensitive when I said that, like he couldn't believe that I wasn't building him up. Like, that's not true. I'm sure that's not the case. I was like, listen, you're really smart. And if you're telling me that you're observing, that you're the least skilled there, I'm like, I, I believe that that's correct. I'm like, however, you've never played before. And it's not fair for you to expect that you would be just as good as a kid who has been playing basketball for the last five to six years. Like that's not mm. fair to think that you could come in and just, you know, kill it while these kids have been like playing all year long, you know, maybe for the last several years practicing. I'm like, you're literally totally. doing it for the first time. And although at first I wasn't sure if that was the right words to use with him, he like pulled back and was like, and then the next day said he focused on being a better team player because he knew that he wasn't very good at shooting and he had a much better time. I think that is some mom mastery right there for your audience. Like, I love that story. <laughs> At first, I just, felt bad, to be honest, because he got so like, he looked like he was going to cry when I first said that. But yeah. then when I explained it, and I was like, you know, that's not fair for you to think that you're going to come in and just, you know, be scoring the baskets and be like doing so awesome. Like these kids have been practicing and, you know, doing this for a long time. They have years of experience on you. And um, I think he was able to have some perspective. And I try to remind myself that and clients that too, right? When they are comparing or watching some video online, like, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I was that fit. It's like that person has literally been doing this for years. Totally. You know? I mean, I really, I think it's, I think that's so healthy. It's such a healthy parenting model because you're not, you're setting your, your son up for success by being honest and he can trust you to be honest with him, which I think is yes. really, really valuable. Yeah. That was my hope with it. Like afterwards I was like, I think you're really smart. And if you made that observation, <laughs> I totally believe you. <laughs> you probably are the worst, but that doesn't mean you can't get better. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, coming back to the last, the, like the yeah. last place I think that can really make a difference for people and it's related, it's like, uh, committing to joy. Um, I think in, in life as we age and particularly for busy professionals and highly mm -hmm. successful entrepreneurs and leaders that we can really become disconnected from what brings us joy or build any building a life and a career as an expression of the lifestyle that we want to have or mm -hmm. um, the experiences we want to prioritize or the memories we want to make. Like we just become so ingrained with the rat race yes. or the, that externally driven model of the next goal, the next promotion, the next, the next, the next that we lose sight of and we become disconnected from what fuels our life with joy? What are the things that we're building this life and career and success and wealth in service of? And if we can be reconnect, if we can become reconnected with what brings us joy, if mm -hmm. we can prioritize those acts of joy now, if we can bring a commitment for creating joy on purpose with our families on the weekends, on vacation, in our daily moment 
moment from life to life. Mm-hmm. Well, then we have so much more facility with building our self-confidence when we are happy, where our anxious mind is so much less likely to be running the show. Yeah. Do you find that, and I love that you're bringing that up, that you have to remind your clients kind of, because not everything in the process is going to bring them joy, right? When they're like Mm -hmm. building a business. So how do you get them to kind of decipher the difference between pushing through some hard things, but also making sure that the things you're pushing for brings you joy? Mm -hmm. I mean, a couple things. So first of all, a reminder that you know, in entrepreneurship, there are seasons of entrepreneurship. There are stages of entrepreneurship. And what's mm-hmm. required you, what's required of you in the first stage of entrepreneurship is going mm-hmm. to look extremely different than what's required of you in the second and third and fourth. So yep. some level setting on expectations there. Yep. <laughs> and then secondly, like I just noticed that when I'm happy, when my relationship with my husband is good, when I'm spending quality time with my dogs, when I'm, you know, prioritizing going to the ocean, like I am so much more willing to do the aspects of business that I don't otherwise like. Like we're in tax season right now, right? Uh, I know. When I'm happy, when I am creating fun things to do on the weekends, when I have weekday evenings to look forward to. I'm just so much more set up for success in Mm -hmm. taking on the aspects of business that I don't particularly enjoy. I'm not going to come here and say like, "Eh, I love every aspect of my business or like you should love every aspect of your business. But I don't think that's true. But when you are happy, when you are joyful with yourself in your relationships and in your life, you just have so much more facility to put down the resistance that's in the way of doing the things you don't necessarily enjoy. enjoy. Yeah. I I think that falls very much, all of these things, actually, all six of the things you mentioned fall very much in line when it comes to what I say to my clients is about building your strongest, healthiest, happiest self, right? All of these things, the self-care, the taking action, the authenticity, um, even, even the service, right? Like, why mm-hmm. are we even doing this? Um, and the, and the joy, like there are different phases, right? Yeah. There are different phases of a health and fitness journey too. And some of them, you know, they're going to be hard at first when you're building those habits until you start to feel good, then that becomes a little less hard, you know? Totally. Oh, I love all of this. Catherine, tell us a little bit more about where people can find you. Where can they find more information? If they're, What are some of the programs you're running right now? Totally. Um, well, let's see. So you can listen to me on my podcast, which is The Prosperous Empath. I'm excited to have you on the podcast soon. We're going to talk about that, I know. Um, so uh they can listen to me there. And then I write a weekly newsletter that's filled with lots of kind of wisdom on what we've been chatting about today that they can subscribe to over on my website at unbounded-potential.com. That's something I love doing. And 
I offer coaching, uh, coaching, and I run a year-long mastermind for empath entrepreneurs. I have a team of six coaches that I partner with and refer clients to based on you know, what the client is looking for and what the style of learning and partnership is that really works for them. I have a lot of fun with that. That's awesome. And I'll be dropping all of these links to Catherine's social media networks, um, her handles, her newsletter, and her website in the show notes. So if that's easier for you, go over to the show notes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and just click on those links so that you can connect with Catherine instantly. I definitely recommend subscribing and following her podcast at the least so that you can continue to learn from Catherine. Um, I think this building confidence, like Catherine said in the beginning, it's like a muscle and you kind of have to keep building it, right? Like you have to keep building it just kind of like exercise. There is no stopping point where you just kind of like, okay, I'm in shape now and great. I never have to do this again in my life. That would be amazing, but not the way it works. (laughs) So keep building that confidence muscle wherever you are. If you have any questions, if you want to reach out to Catherine about her programs, please, please do. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this helps you live your strongest, healthiest, and happiest life. And we will chat with you guys again next week. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Making Fit Work. If you did, it would mean so much to me if you took a minute to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference and would be super helpful to me. Also, if you have any topic suggestions, if there's something in particular you'd love for me to address on this podcast, feel free to shoot me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can shoot me a DM on Facebook or Instagram and find me at fitwith underscore Nina. Again, you can find me at fitwith underscore Nina. Or you can join my private community on Facebook called Making Fit Work and drop your topic suggestions in there. Until next time, my friends, be strong, be healthy, be happy.